0: Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So, we're hearing a lot from Mark's gospel for our daily mass uh, readings. Um, and Mark's gospel is din- distinct in its literary character, I would say, that as I read Mark's gospel, the, the imagery that comes to my mind is that Mark, is, Mark ri- reads like a, um, like a comic book or like a, like a graphic novel. And here's what I mean by that, that there's a real economy of words that Mark has when he's telling these stories. He gets so much packed in to such concise little sentences. It's not long flourishing descriptions there's not a lot of adjectives it's it's action this and this and this one of the words that you see over and over again in Mark's gospel is the word immediately immediately this happened and then this happened then immediately this happened there's a lot of action almost like a storyboard so i bring that up because the gospel we have for today doesn't seem at least on the surface i would say to contain a whole lot it seems at least when i first read it i'll just speak for myself When I first read this, I don't know, a day or two ago, um, it just felt like one of those like filler passages in the gospel transitioning us from one action scene to another action scene that this is Jesus going from A to B. It just didn't seem like there was a lot there. But as I sat with it, as I sat with it, as I just let the Holy Spirit speak, just so much came bubbling up to the surface. So we're going to be here for a few hours this morning. I'm just kidding. So here's, here's what the Lord showed me as I was sitting with this. This is where the Lord drew my attention. Two places, two movements, if you will. Uh, first is Jesus' reaction to the crowds. And then secondly, the crowds' reaction to Jesus. Paying attention to these, we can draw out some beautiful things. So let's start with this first, Jesus' reaction to the crowds. So what's the situation here? Well, you've got very large crowds of people that are uh, following him, the streets are swelling. People are coming to him from everywhere. Think of what it looks like when, like some young teen heartthrob, comes into a city and he gets swarmed by you know thousands of screaming young people. Right? Think of like Beatlemania or like Justin Bieber when they would come. I'm sure all of you are big Justin Bieber fans. Do you know who Justin Bieber is? Cool. Okay. Beatlemania? Huh? yeah huh? <laughs> know my references. Okay. But think of that like the imagery of huge swarming crowds people kind of losing their minds I want to get to this person right So why why because Jesus has been radically changing people's lives radically changing people's lives curing them of diseases like these this intractable pain that people have been carrying suddenly because they met this man it's gone Like it's beyond hope it's beyond hope what he brought into the world They had given up hope and suddenly they find themselves restored. Like we can't even imagine, we can't even imagine what this stirred up in people's hearts, this fervor, I must get to him. I must get to him. So you have this crowd swelling in these streets and you have this very human problem. Like Jesus is concerned that he might get crushed. It's a very human problem, let's just say. And notice how he responds. And let's be reminded again of who we are talking about. We're talking about the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, who, who could have simply closed his eyes and willed the crowd to disperse. Right? He could have simply spoken to every guardian angel and asked them to lead every soul away. He could have flexed his mighty power, if you will, To deal with the situation but he doesn't he responds with a very practical we could say very human solution prepare a boat for me prepare a boat for me have a boat ready for me that if it gets really hairy i'll just go into the boat and be offshore and i'll preach from the boat a very practical human solution to a very practical problem I could spend a long time reflecting on this, but I, I just think it's good for us to reflect on this for our own lives because, I mean, there's, there's many seasons of our own lives where we are crushed by all sorts of issues of stress or anxiety or this thing or that thing, life pressing in, and maybe we find ourselves in prayer crying out, Lord, just just snap your fingers, take this away, right? Make this situation go away, make the stress go away. God, can't you just please intervene and make this thing better, Give me a divine solution to my human problem and God's up there going have you considered taking a walk like have you have you considered have you considered calling a friend have you considered actually talking to your spouse about this instead of like oh, I'll deal with this on my own have you considered a human solution to a human problem I'm sure I've preached about this before, at least I brought it up at one point or another, but Thomas Aquinas, in his treatise on the passions, he's reflecting on sadness at one point and all the different kinds of sadness, right? Only Thomas Aquinas, uh, only Thomas could nuance sadness into like 15 categories of sadness. Anyway, but he offers these several remedies for sadness and not a single one of them is a quote-unquote spiritual thing. Right This is Thomas Aquinas we're talking about, right? The angelic doctor, a very saintly man. Not one of the remedies to sadness is, "Go pray a holy hour. Go pray a rosary. Have you considered praying with some scripture? Now, granted, all of those are wonderful things, but those are not the solutions that Thomas suggests. He says things that are very human, like, "Try talking to a friend. Let yourself cry. Let yourself cry is one of his solutions. Enjoy something pleasurable. I love these next two. Take a nap or take a bath. <laughs> one of the last ones he says is just contemplate. Think about something beautiful. Those are the solutions he gives to the, as remedies for sadness. Very human. Like the incarnate God, when God becomes flesh, he didn't flee from humanity like we often want to do. We're often just like, Lord, give me a divine solution to my human problem. Snap your fingers, be a genie, make it go away. Okay, so then the second thing I want us to look at is the, re- like the second response I want to point to is the crowd's response to him. I just want us to notice, and maybe let ourselves be challenged by it, but I want us to notice how they're responding to him. So, a moment ago, I used the image of a teen, you know, heartthrob celebrity, but I think a better image, another one that came to my mind when I was praying with this. Again, I don't know if this image is going to land, but I think of those like Hollywood, like apocalyptic movies. Like in every one of those big apocalyptic movies, whether it's, you know, like a zombie movie or a The World Is Ending movie, there's always that sort of scene where like this massive throng of people is trying to get to. The lifeboat, whatever the lifeboat is, whether it is a literal boat, or whether it's like the last plane leaving before the zombie horde attacks the people, but it's this massive throng of people who are just desperate to get to the thing that will take them away to safety. Like in other words, like this desperation arises that says, if I don't get to you, if I don't get there, then I'm gonna die. Like, I'm not here to judge any of our hearts this morning. I'm really not. I'm just letting, inviting us to let the Holy Spirit maybe convict us. But my guess is that very few of us thought this morning when we were co- thinking about coming to Mass, like, should I, like, sh- is, does my life depend on this? Like, we're being told that the crowds who experienced Jesus were so desperate to get to him that there was that there was a fear that he might be crushed. Like, I'm thinking about two things here. One, like, I'm praying for us that we would have the grace of deeper conversion, like, for myself, like, yeah, for all of us, for this parish, that we would feel more acutely, deeply, that we would feel utterly desperate for him. Desperate for him. That we would feel in our bones, I would say, like, this need to get to the one who loves me in an indescribable way, who uh, who looks at me in an indescribable way, who says my name in a way that no one else says my name. Like, I have to get to you, Jesus, because of how, like, because of how desperate you were to get to me. Like, I pray that we would feel more deeply in our hearts this desperate need for him. And then secondly, I'm, I'm praying that we would become like the living evidence of him in the world. That like when others would see us, when they would interact with us or encounter us as his disciples. That they would know that we know him. Like that we have met the one that everyone is looking for. That I've been with him. That, that his heart is beating inside of my heart. Like I'm thinking about those, um, those great videos of folks who've had, like, heart transplants. And, like, the person who obviously gets their heart transplanted has died, and yet that heart continues beating in the chest of another person. And you see maybe videos of the family members of the deceased listening with the stethoscope to the heart of their loved one beating in the chest of somebody else. And obviously moves, you know, you're just crying, watching it. Like, people should hear Jesus' beating heart in us. And they should recognize that. Like that's our prayer. That that would become more and more true for all of us, for this parish. Amen.